We're talking about the operation of faith. This is message four in the series, How to Stand in Faith. The God of heaven has made his faith available to you. It comes when you hear the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing God's word. So tonight, have ears to hear. Because when you hear God's word talk to your heart, faith is birthed. And we are to govern our lives by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I'm telling you, salvation, you have to know this. To govern your life by faith, you have to know that salvation is a gift from God. The word salvation also means prosperity. Prosperity is a gift. It's not of yourself. You know, healing is a gift because healing is part of salvation. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. God has given it to you. See, why do we talk about governing our life by faith? Because you must possess by faith what you've already been given by his grace. See, God can't just, he's given it to you, you own it, but you, he can't force it on you because he made man and gave him his own will. So you must, he's holding it out to you, but you must seize hold of it. And how you do that is with your faith. So you were saved that way. This is the same way you receive everything from God. you got to realize, to govern your life by faith, you're making a decision, I'm going to give myself a break. I'm no longer going to be strong in me. I'm going to be strong in the Lord. I'm no longer going to do, try to do things in my own way. No, I'm not going to do works. I'm going to work out what he's working in. And that's faith. Our faith is the victory that overcomes this world system. And I want you to see these scriptures, so turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It is very in your face, very simple. We live in this world. This world belongs to God. The fullness of the earth and everything in it belongs to him. Satan is the God, Jesus called him the God, small g, of the world system. So like all the economies of the world, the kingdoms, all this stuff, Satan is controlling it. They call him the prince of the power of the air. Boy, do we have a lot of junk going on through the airwaves today, right? But the Bible says that when we hear the word of God and faith is birthed, we now are in a position to where we can always overcome the world system. So think about this. It says, 1 John 5, 4. It says whatsoever, but you know, I've said this a million times, right? It's the Greek word pas, P-A-S. Pas, I think, is correct. It literally means whosoever. You're not a whatsoever. You're a whosoever. For whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And that is the Greek word for cosmos. It means world system. And then it says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world system, even our faith. 
Our faith is the victory. You could say it this way. Our faith brings the victory that we already have been given into our life to manifest in our life through faith. That's why faith is the victory. Does that make sense? See, God wants all of this that he paid for in your life right now. If, if Jesus paid for your arthritis, you shouldn't have to pay for it. But, but how are you going to walk in that victory that you already have? You have to believe what the word of God says, that I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. When I believe what the word of God says in my heart and I confess with my mouth, I'm healed. When I say about my situation what God says, not what I see, not what I feel, not what everybody else says, not what everybody says it the way it has to be. No, when I believe in my heart that what God said, that he only tells the truth, that he always brings to pass whatever he said, that his word is forever settled in heaven. When I believe that in my heart and then out of my heart speak it, the Bible says I'll have what I say. So that's why faith is the victory. So we see in Paul's life that we are to live by this faith, which tells me that we're to live in victory. Your life is not, the boundaries are your, of your life, you set them. Not your education, not who you know, not what you have or have not, not what you've done, you set them, why? Because faith is how we govern our life. Faith is the victory over everything you'll ever face in life. Because it's how you lay hold of all of these blessings of God. So Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it says that I am crucified with Christ. And in the Greek, it literally says, I have been and am crucified with the anointed one and his anointing. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Wow. So now I'm crucified with Christ, but I'm alive. But wait a minute, it's not, I'm not living my life anymore. Right? I, I'm free from that. The spirit of life that was in Christ Jesus the agape love of God has made me free from the, what? The, the law of sin and death, which is selfishness. I no longer, the life that I live in the flesh, how do I live it? I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, you have to, in order to live by faith, you have to have a revelation that the God of heaven did what? He loved me. And he gave himself for me. That is the foundation of everything in my life. Every time I see a situation, whether I've created it or the enemy's coming and it had nothing to do with me, it doesn't matter. I'm always going, okay, I'm not alone. The greater one's living in me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. All of his strength, all of heaven is behind me. And he's greater than anything I'll ever face in life. Therefore, I'll never fail. Isn't that awesome? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The anointed one and his anointing lives in me. 
If you study the anointing, what it always does, it completely changes a person, a place, or a thing. It changes them into a completely different person. That's what this is talking about. Uh, yet not I, but the anointed one and his anointing lives in me. Wow. So now this life that I live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are to live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. You don't have to turn there, but it says we walk by faith and not by sight. How do I walk? I walk by faith, which means as I walk, I walk looking at the word of God, which is unchangeable. I don't walk by sight. I don't look at the natural circumstances of my life. For me as a child of God, as I walk by faith, the operation of faith will cause me to walk from the inside, never from the outside. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what other people do. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by circumstances in my life. They pale into comparison because the eternal word of God, who I know, who I know, is with me and it's true. We are to walk according to what we believe from God's word instead of from what we see with our physical senses. This is faith. Make sense? So if you ever, if you, I mean, see, here's the deal. The good news is this is life. Kind of the bad news is you're going to be tested on this material. Maybe tonight, no later than tomorrow. But the good, but the good news, it's an open book test. And actually, the teacher is on the inside of you and will give you all the answers. All right? So, and you need them because it's kind of a, you know, this is not just earth. The Bible calls it the valley of the shadow of death. So kind of as I walk through this world, this is probably the most dangerous place I'll ever be. Because there's a thief out there and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants me off the planet. Now he has no power, but he's a master deceiver. So I'm not going to minimize the deception part. Man, if he says anything to me that doesn't line up with the word of God, I'm casting that down. I'm, I'm going to watch where I'm walking, standing, and sitting. I'm going to watch who I'm around, right? Yes, I'm in the world, and I want to win the world, but I'm not going to have best friends in the world that, that are not serving God. Because according to the word, it's impossible for me to prosper in that situation. Will I have friends? Oh, yeah. Right? I, I think... In the body of Christ, if there's one thing about the body of Christ in America, they say the average Christian never leads anybody to Christ. That's the statistic. Never. All that tells me is people don't know who they are. And they surely don't know him. And they're not walking in him because when you walk in him, you've you got to tell everybody. Because you're so glad you're free. Right? We are to please God with our life here. Don't you want to please him? Do you know there's only one way to please him? Hebrews 11:6 tells us, without faith, 
it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. See, you got to believe that when you reach up, he's reaching out. When you're moving towards him, he's moving towards you. He wants you to believe that. That pleases him. Why? Because it gives him access into your life to bring to pass everything in this realm that he's already promised you. That's why we walk this way. See, God demands that you and I accept the fact and we buy into his system of exchange. It's called faith. See, the world system, the exchange is money, right? You, if you want a car, you give them money and they, 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 you drive a car. You want a house. But in the kingdom of God where we live, the system of exchange is faith. You can't receive anything from God apart from faith. You couldn't get saved. You couldn't receive anything from God apart from faith. This is why to live by faith and to walk by faith, I love it. It means that we literally are walking in a constant revelation of who God is, of who his word is. He's revealing things to us. We're getting to know him constantly. You're not to have moments of revelation. To live by faith, you have to have constant revelation. And I could tell you this, and, I, and I'm speaking to the choir here, constant revelation is wonderful. As a matter of fact, you, once you have that, you keep going, you start running after more. Because God is irresistible. Romans 14, in verse 23, at the end of the verse, it says, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. God doesn't want sin anywhere in your life, and this is why. Because sin produces death, and he's redeemed you from death. He's redeemed you from spiritual death. He's removed everything that could bring death in your life. So he's saying, walk by faith and not by sight. Walking by sight is sin. Why? Because sin means to miss the mark, and you can't walk by sight and ever hit the mark, you're going to miss the mark all the time. Does that make sense? What is the mark? It's God's word. So he wants it. He wants sin out of your life. So he'll teach you. The Holy Spirit will teach you. As you're doing something, you're, he'll be teaching you to help keep your motives right. Are you doing this to be seen from men? Because if you are, that's missing the mark. That's sin. Are you doing this because of your insecurity? Do you want to be in the ministry because of some insecurity that you're living in and you just want to be in front of people to make yourself feel better? Or are you just selfish? Or are you doing this for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? The Holy Spirit, see, we don't even have to think about that. We just keep our eyes on Jesus and, and it, it just keeps us on course. We are able to receive or possess the things of God through faith. The things of God that he's already given us. you got to understand that. There's, there's people out there that will, will attack the way we teach or preach, and they will say, well, you know, those name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it, and possess it people, those Haganites, those Copelandites, right, you know, 
those Keith Mooreites, I guess he's starting to get big enough to where he could have an ite too, right? So, so you know, those Pastor Tonyites or whatever. No, no, no. What, they, what they'll say, well, what they're saying is that they could command God to do whatever they want and he just does it. That's what they think their faith is for. And that's absolutely not true. It's not the Bible. I can't move the God of heaven to do anything apart from his word. Because he's God and I'm not. But I'm his child and I'm a speaking spirit just like him. And with his faith, I could speak his word and pull everything he said that I was to have in life out from the unseen spiritual realm and pull it right here in the earth. That's the, that, that, if you take an aerial view of the Bible, that's exactly what we're to do. Man, growing up, all we heard about was, oh, when we get to heaven. But then I realized once I got in the Word, it's not about getting to heaven. It's about bringing heaven to this earth. Amen. That's what our lives are about right now. Bringing heaven to this earth. And I'm telling you, all we have to do is believe His Word and speak it. He's watching over his word and he's the one that will perform it. So when the enemy asks you, how is it going to happen? Or why is it taking so long? Or whatever. That's not my deal. Just tell him to go talk to your father. If you really need to know the answer to that, go talk to my father. Guess what? He won't. Right? He's dealt with him before. He doesn't ever want to deal with him again. He knows he's going to. Right? He's powerless. Now, now we don't minimize him because he's an absolute deceiver. And if, he, if you can buy in the lie that this sickness that's in my body has some kind of legal right and there's no cure, he'll kill you. Right? So we don't minimize his deceptive power, but this is why we teach the word. Because the victory is our faith. He can't stop your faith. He can't stop you. I'd like to see a show of hands, but I'm not going to tonight. But a show of hands of how many of you maybe had a thought of not to even come here tonight. Because, you know, you're tired. You have 18 meetings tomorrow. You have, he's always going to stop. Or like when you go to read your Bible. I wonder, do you ever think a thought? Nah, I really don't have time. He's always trying to stop you from being around life. Right? He'll talk to you all day about what this person did to you because he knows if he can get you an unforgiveness, man, he's, he's just separated you from your faith. And now he's going to have a field day in your life. But when you realize I'm free, I'm a child of God, I have a, I, who I am in Christ, I'm seated far above. The enemy can't touch me and I'm going to stay in that secret place of the Most High. Right? I'm going to abide in him and him and I. It's wonderful. God is not moved by our need today. He was moved by our need 2,000 years ago and he met every need. So now what moves God is faith. There's not a scripture in the New Testament that tells you that your need will move God. It couldn't say that because you have no needs. As you sit here tonight, you could sit here and go, but pastor, you have no idea. I have this in my life. Oh, you can make a list 
of some circumstances, but there will be nothing on that list that wasn't taken care of 2,000 years ago in Jesus. And if you'll simply believe that and speak it, then God has a legal right to get it out of your life and bring his blessing into your life. Could it be that simple? It is that simple. It is that simple. Another thing that happens is found in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 16. When it's talking about the armor, it says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Actually, in the Greek, it literally reads, in front of all, taking the shield of faith. Why in front? Because if you go back just a few verses, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against. That means to stand face to face against the wiles of the devil. He can never sneak up on you if you're walking by faith. It's impossible. Because the Holy Spirit will always be, you'll always be prepared for his next attack. You'll always have the shield of faith up. And the shield of faith, faith, what is faith? What quenches believing God's word in your heart and speaking it out of your mouth will quench every fiery dart of the enemy against your life. So he's constantly going to get you to drop your faith shield and start to speak the circumstance. My leg is killing me. My back is killing me. Nothing ever works right. People are just, you know, Christians are just ridiculous. How far, he'll, he'll have you saying all kinds of crazy stuff because it keeps your face shield down. Because if you'll speak, if you'll hold fast to the confession of your faith, that shield is up and you can't be hit. You can't be hit. So let's, did you find Luke chapter 10 yet? I mean, you started going there. Let's go back there because I want to I read this to you. Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. So here's Jesus. He sends, if you, if you read earlier in that chapter, he sent 70 out and he told them to go preach the kingdom and heal the sick. That's what he told them to do. And he actually told them, he said, don't even, I don't even want you to take any money, any extra clothes. I'm going to provide everything for you. So he sends them out, and now in verse 17, they come back. Now remember, he sent them out. He said, preach the kingdom and heal the sick. That's what he told them to do. When he sent the 12 out earlier, he told them to preach, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, and cast out devils. But he didn't tell the 70 to cast out devils. And the 70 returned again with ministry burnout. No, didn't say that, did it? Ministry burnout. Brother, sister, pastor, minister, please don't say that because you're exposing the fact that you're not full. You're not exposing what people are doing to you. You're exposing that you're not full because when you're full and you're doing what God's called you to do, you'll return with joy, right? And the 70 returned again with joy saying, notice when you're full of joy, you will say. When you're full of the word, you will speak. 
When you're full of faith, faith speaks. We should be speaking the word all the time. All the time, all the time. And the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us, unto us, through your name. The name. The, that even the devils are subject unto us through your name. Now these men were not even born again. This is, this is they didn't even have what we have today. Our authority in the name of Jesus, your authority in this earth, my authority in this earth is in the name of Jesus. I don't have authority. I have something much better. I have delegated authority. Oh, by who? Oh, only the God of all creation. It's been delegated to me. All of the authority I walk in in my life is in the name of Jesus. The 70 found out the extent of their authority through experience. I wonder if that's going to happen to us. Oh man, I'm telling you, as you walk in your authority, when things start changing in your life and you see them, you're going to be talking about that, then more stuff is going to be changing and this and that. Pretty soon, you're going to be like David. You're not going to be standing there waiting for Goliath to pull his sword. You're going to run at him right? Could you imagine, here's David with this slingshot. What you didn't see is, so here's David's hand with the slingshot, and here's God's hand. Because see, David wasn't going to be strong in him. That was like a bullet. And he had four other stones in his pocket or in his little bag, because Goliath had four brothers. Just in case they were stupid, Right? It doesn't sound like they were, but anyway. So verse 18, and he said unto them, when, he, when they said this to Jesus, he said, oh yeah, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Now could you imagine their astonishment when he said that? It's like, what? You're like 30, 31 years old. That happened before the Genesis account of creation. That happened before Genesis 1-2. And Jesus said, oh yeah, I, I was there, I beheld it. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And then he said this. He said, now I love this. He said, I beheld Satan fall from heaven as lightning. Now you behold See, he said, I beheld Satan fall from heaven as lightning, but now, guys, I want you to behold something. So now we need to get ready for what he's going to say here. I want you to behold this. I give unto you power. It's the Greek word excusia. It means I give unto you delegated authority. So God, Jesus, the man Jesus, gave the 70 delegated authority from his father. Which now Jesus comes out of the grave and he says, all authority now has been given unto me. So now our delegated authority is from Jesus and it's all. 
But he said this, he said, behold, I give unto you power, delegated authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. To tread. That Greek word means to have absolute mastery over serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions are types of the satanic hierarchy. So he's basically saying, guys, I want you to see this. I'm giving you delegated authority so that you can have absolute mastery over Satan and all of his principalities and powers, all of it. To tread absolute mastery over. In your life right now, as you sit there, you have been given absolute mastery over anything the, the enemy will ever throw at you. Wow. I mean, I think of it on an earthly standpoint. Could you imagine what it would look like if I was playing one-on-one -on -one against LeBron James? He, he moves so fast, I might hurt him because I'm so slow, right? Or I wouldn't even see some things. I remember years ago that we, were, we went and watched the L.A. I had a friend, uh, a friend of mine. We'd go to South Central L.A. and play basketball and brought back a lot of memories of, of my life in Illinois. And, and we watched the L.A. Pro Leagues and NBA players and other guys would play in these, these leagues. And uh, Lorenzo Romar was playing for the Golden State Warriors and we were friends with him. And, and so we went to watch Lorenzo play. And, and Lorenzo was a sixth man. He, he was kind of a sub. And uh, he had to play against a team who had who had Michael Cooper, who played for the Lakers. He was, he was literally the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. And Lorenzo scored like 40-some points on him. So after the game, I'm like, Lorenzo, what, what's going on? You average like four to six points a game. And, and you just lit up Michael Cooper, who was the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. And Lorenzo goes, oh, he goes, I wouldn't even be in the NBA unless I knew my role. And so then we went, and we went to this gym, and we played, we played basketball. I got to play basketball with Michael Cooper. I guarded him. Well, I, I use that term real loosely, because that was the day that I found out I would have never been able to be an NBA basketball player. I mean, it was, it was so far above my head, it was unreal. He had absolute mastery over me. That's just in a natural way. Guys, does, if you were to say, okay, Jesus versus anything the enemy has, you'd go, well, pff, there's no contest there because Jesus has absolute mastery. Yeah, and he's given you absolute mastery. And you think, but wait a minute, but I don't know as much as Jesus, really. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to guide you into how much of the truth? Wow, that's faith. This is why the Bible says crazy stuff like, if you can believe, all things are possible to you who believe. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Whoever will say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Why? Because God will see to it. Wow. 
So what's in your life right now? Right? Because i got to tell you, cancer in this earth is a pretty big word. Diabetes is a big word. Right? Alzheimer's is a big word. But not to God. So here's the thing. If God, if, if Jesus has literally bore the sickness and disease of all mankind in his redemptive work, which he has, then now, if we could just simply learn how to operate in faith, we could get all this junk out of our life. I mean, think of Jesus. He's preaching. There's 5,000 men out in the wilderness with him, out in the desert. And he looks at them and they're starving. How did he know they were starving? Well, 5,000 men with their wives and then, then their noisemakers, the kids. When a kid gets hungry, whew. So could you imagine? There's probably 20,000 people and they're hungry because they haven't eaten for a few days. So Jesus just looks at his disciples. How would you like to be his 12 disciples? This will kind of stretch you a little bit. Your father in the faith goes, feed them. Notice the first thing out of their mouth was, well, we don't have the money to do that. The reason why they didn't say that is because they probably had the money to do that. Right? So Jesus is just like, okay, what do we have? So this little boy, he's like, hey, I've got five loaves and two fishes. Think about that. In the kingdom of God, five loaves and two fishes can multiply to the point to where 20,000 people are fed and we take home baskets full to the family that sowed it. Because he's got to have it good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, right? Will men give into his bosom? So could you imagine if his parents weren't there? It takes all these people to carry all this stuff home. What did, what did you do, son? Well, I just I gave Jesus what I had. I wonder if any of those principles apply today. They all apply today. The only difference is we have much more revelation. As you're sitting here today, you have much more revelation. If you have sickness in your body, hey, I have much more revelation on Jesus as your healer than the woman with the issue of blood. You have much more revelation. Much more revelation than the centurion whose servant was healed. As you're sitting here right now, this is why Satan will jump on you. He'll show you everything you ever do wrong or say wrong or think wrong. He'll yell at you. How's this going to work out? You're nothing. You're nothing. Get away from that church. Get away from the word. Don't read the Bible. Because he doesn't want you to ever be still and know God and go, oh my goodness, I know what the word says. Isn't that awesome? It says, behold, I give unto you power, delegated authority to tread, to have absolute mastery over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now you have to go deeper because that's the second time the English word power was used, but it's not the second time the Greek word power has been used. This word power here means over all the ability of the enemy. Because the enemy has no delegated authority. So you could say it this way, he's given you delegated authority over all the ability of the enemy. Absolute mastery over all his little demons and all that stuff, 
And literally, you, he's given you mastery over all of Satan's ability as well. Wow. And, and look at this last phrase. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, you've got you to get revelation of that because what? What did God just say to you? Because of the authority I've given you in Jesus, the enemy can't hurt you. He's the author of all sickness and all disease. So there's a way for you to get all that out of your body. He's the author of all poverty and lack, and there's a way for you to have absolute mastery over the spirit of poverty and the spirit of lack to where it never touches you. This is what we're talking about, faith. This is why, oh my gosh, you know, they'll put a big bullseye on me and say, you know, you're, you're giving people false hope and everything. But one thing that everybody says is, but boy, does that guy use a lot of scripture. Well, you can't preach this stuff without using a lot of scripture because there's so much of it. This is not a gray area with faith, guys. And you're wired to walk and live by faith. And you have the Holy Spirit, who's the greatest faith teacher in the universe that will lead you into everything, right? He not only knows Greek, he invented it, right? Over all the ability of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But then he says this, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not. What? I'm not to rejoice that you've given me delegated authority to have absolute mastery over every principality and power and over all the ability of Satan and nothing will hurt me. I'm not even to rejoice in that. Well, Jesus, what am I to rejoice in? Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice. See, when you lay hands or cast a demon out of somebody, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. See, you know, we take salvation for granted. But this is what we do. So we'll sing songs that are just, oh, let me look at the cross and let me hold on. Oh, the cross. Well, we got to be careful there because if we're spending too much time focusing and living our life on what we've been born out, born out of, we, we won't spend any time seeing what we've been born into. So yes, we look back to the cross. Yes, we embrace what Jesus did for us on the cross while we are looking at what we've been born into. Because see, when, on one level, my name is written in heaven. That's in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice in that. Why? You're a citizen of heaven. You're a child of Almighty God. We rejoice in that. Great. But what are we really rejoicing in? I'm a child of God. All of the authority that I have is based on relationship. It's based on whose I am. That's what we rejoice in. When I think of my name being written in heaven, I think, okay, sickness has no legal right in my body. Poverty and lack has no legal right in my life. Fear. I will never be afraid again. I don't care what I face. I realize that I'm never alone. Wholeness, 
I'm going to walk in wholeness all the days of my life. And oh yeah, my body will age, but I'm telling you, I could live long and I could live strong and this body will serve me until I am done here. Why? Because I'm a child of God. Satan, when I say the name of Jesus, I'm saying the name of my Lord, who I'm one with. I'm actually one spirit with God. You can't separate it. In other words, Satan, I know when I speak in the name of Jesus, it's exactly like Jesus speaking. Why? Because I'm in relationship with him. See, Christianity, guys, it's not a religion. It's a relationship. So let me just read as we close today. I'm, I'm, on, woo, I'm on page 5 of 19. That's all right. Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to go there. Ephesians 1, verse 19 through verse 23. This is the prayer of supplication. We're kind of jumping in the middle, but I'm focusing on this last part. The first part is that, that Paul is praying that God would grant these people the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that the eyes of their spirit would be flooded with light so they would know God's will for their life, that they would know the incredible inheritance that they have, and now it picks up and that they would know, number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. You have to know that there is incredible power that is towards you as you believe. The, the word power here is the word dunamis. It's miraculous power that is released. It's an achieving power. To us, word who believe. See, there is power that resides in you as a believer. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. He set Christ far above, verse 21. Far above. This Greek word means so far above, it shouldn't even be compared far above all principality. That means a chief ruler. All power, that's just delegated authority from Satan, which is counterfeit because it's been stripped. We're seated far above that. And might. This word might means miraculous achieving power. It's, it's, it's the word dunamis, but again, notice he's using these words, but they're counterfeit because it's all been stripped from Satan. And dominion, he even uses another word. It literally means authority. But again, all of Satan's stuff is counterfeit because it's been all stripped. So we're seated far above these things. And then, and every name that is named, not only in this world, this is the word, not the word world, it's the Greek word that means age. So every word We've been seated far above every name that could be named in this whole age. You could name any sickness, any condition, anything, and I have authority. I'm seated far above all of it. You know, uh, lightning's not going to ever hit our house and burn it down. 
A tornado is never going to take our house out. Our roof here at the church will never be destroyed by hail. Why? Because we know our authority. And this is off limits. Oh, you might be able to mess with whatever belongs to somebody else. But listen, if you're going to hail in Omaha, you can't damage any cars in this parking lot. You can't damage this property. Well, who do you think you are? Oh, it's not about who I think I am. It's about who I think I'm in, right? He delivers me. The angel of the Lord encamps around about me because I fear him. He's first in my life. I reverence and honor and respect him above everything else in life. So now I'm positioned. He can't touch me, right? You have, you have kids or loved ones in the military. Man, know your authority. You're seated far above, far above. Supernatural protection. And it says here, but also in the age that is to come. So we're seated in authority far above any name in this age and also in the age to come. That's pretty good. And hath put all things under his feet. So if God put all things under the feet of Jesus, then Satan is under our feet. Right? And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, that filleth all and in all. I love that phrase. The fullness. See, we're the body of Christ. He's my head. You know, my head tells my body what to do in every way. My brain runs everything, right? In the same way, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, he runs everything. And I'm his body, feet are part of his body, and Satan's under my feet, which is his body. And then he says this phrase, the fullness of him, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The idea in this Greek phrase is that there is no place where he is not and which he does not fill. There is no place where he is not the source of life. Everywhere you go, you can't get away from who he is because he fills it all. That's why God said in Numbers, as truly as I live, my glory will cover this earth as the waters cover the seas. God can say that. He said that a while ago, and you just hide and watch. Everything God says comes to pass. It goes on in chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, And you hath he quickened. So you and I, having said all this, and you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. I love this, this word, who were dead. This word were is in the locative tense in the Greek. We were locked in to spiritual death. We couldn't get out. There was no way out. It's, it's the Greek word nekros. It's we were locked in. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. The word dead, literally, the word nekros literally means corpse. And then he goes in here, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, but then down in verse 4 of chapter 2, he says, but God, 
who is rich, that means he has an inexhaustible supply of mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead against, again, a corpse, dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ. See, I am made alive in Christ. By grace I've been saved. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I am seated in heavenly places in the anointed one and his anointing. In other words, I'm seated in the anointing. I'm seated in a seat of authority at the Father's right hand. Why do you say all of this? Because you have to know that while you were dead, lost, he loved you so much, he gave you everything. Well, how much more is his child? Would he ever withhold anything from you? No. His love is towards you and for you, and this is the fuel, this is the foundation. We stand in the midst of everything we'll face in this earth with a big smile on our face going, you know, Satan, you could talk to me all day about shortcomings, but I'm accepted. I'm free. I've been made alive. And now you can't touch me. And now I'm going to believe the word of God and speak it and you can't ever stop it from coming to pass. I wonder if Satan might have maybe thought about it a little bit and thought, man, how stupid was I to try to kill this little boy in Texas with an incurable heart disease? Right? Kenneth Hagin. He's been in heaven for, what, 15 years. He's bearing more fruit on the earth today than when he was alive. That's pretty cool. And he's no respecter of persons. So get ready to live the God life. Amen.